Hello everyone, welcome to the Lost Boy Academy. In this episode, I spoke with Terence Ong. He is the founder of Terry Toast, which produces and sells Kaya in Canada. Kaya is a delicious coconut egg jam, wildly popular in Singapore and Malaysia. Growing up in Singapore, he's had very fond memories of waking up to a delicious breakfast of eggs, Kaya toast, and coffee. When he left Singapore to attend universities abroad, however, he missed Kaya and tried buying imported kinds, but nothing beat the ones back home. So one day, when he was in Canada, he decided to make his own Kaya at his apartment's kitchen, and had his friends try them, and they absolutely loved it. After sensing some market potential. He underwent experimentations and developed an original recipe using premium ingredients, and that's how Terry Toast was born. Besides talking to him about the stories behind Terry Toast, he shared his career experiences as an entrepreneur, which first began selling fitness supplements when he was a police officer in Singapore. It was fascinating listening to his past businesses and creative ideas. Please give it up for Terence Ong. Yeah, well, you know, I've always、um, known you as a pretty entrepreneurial guy, and I just want to hear your story、um, in the form of a podcast. Sure. But yeah, before like, because mainly, you know, I want to ask you about your current business, Terry Toast.、Uh, but prior to talking about that and just explore your background, can you give me like a brief explanation of what the Subdog, Subdog, P2P, like your past、um, projects were and how they kind of came about? <clears throat> so. I would say that my very first business venture was back when I was、um, 19 years old. It kind of all started from there. So basically, what happened was I've always been into bodybuilding, working out, lifting weights, that kind of stuff. So、um, back in Singapore, you know, supplements were like incredibly expensive because everything was from the U.S.、So、it's imported. So what happened was that、um, back then, when I was conscripted into uh, police, uh, it was it was like conscription. So everybody had to serve two years national service. So for me, I went into police. So during the police training, you know, I actually had some spare time. So I started conceiving of、um, an idea to bring in. Supplements in bulk、um, to resell, but also to get it cheaper for myself. So, you know, I started studying all these different like business books,、uh, trying to figure out how to make this happen. So, I managed to set it up while I was working as a police officer, and、uh, in such a way that basically it doesn't really require a lot of、uh, me to do the work. You know,、mm-hmm. like basically, I I, channel, I outsource. The fulfillment part to a third party. I just did the marketing, and then once it sells, they automatically you know deliver it, collect cash for me, and things like that. So it kind of went pre- 
kind of automatically on the side while I was a police officer. Mm-hmm. And that went pretty well for two years that I was a police officer. So mm-hmm. it made some money doing that. So when I finished police serving my service, um, I got a scholarship to go study business in Miami. Okay. I wanted to shut the business down. And luckily, it was a pretty decent business. So the largest uh, supplement store in Singapore bought it. So this is the Subdog. No, 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 no. This oh. was not Subdog. This was like, uh, it's, it was called ATWSG. Oh, okay. This was like way more than 10 years ago. Right. So um, I sold it and made some money off of it. Um, then I went to Miami to, uh, to study business. So there, I started thinking again about another business idea. So this was Subdog. And uh, the name came about because... You know, the I, when I went to the U.S., somebody told me that joke, you know, uh, <laughs> up-top joke, right? Have you heard of it? No. So it's like, uh, uh, how does it go? Like, um, like, like, what's up, dog, or something? No, no, it's like, it, it goes like, how's the up, dog? Mm-hmm. And then you would say, if I said to you, how's the up, dog? How's the up, dog? Yeah, if, if I said to you like this, like, how's the up, dog? What would you say? How's a down dog? I don't know. No, like typically someone would like, what's up dog, right? Sounds like you're saying, what's up dog? Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> so I would respond, nothing dog, what's up with you? <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I thought it was kind of a funny joke. And then mm. anyway, um, I, I thought of a bunch of ideas of, of, of a new business, but I, you know, my last success was in supplements, right? So I thought, okay, I wanted to sell supplements again. Um, but I wanted to do it bigger this time. I'm in the U.S. I mean, hell, you know, it's like Singapore's a freaking tiny dot compared to the U.S. So I thought, hey, I mean, if I could make something work in the U.S., um, I could probably make some money. So I started thinking a bunch of ideas. Um, eventually came up with this social commerce idea, mm-hmm. which I'm going to be honest, I'm still pretty proud of. Um, and if it can still happen, I still think it's a pretty good idea. But um, I think maybe it was a, a little too ambitious uh, of a project for me. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of the concept that basically it blends entertainment and advertisement together. Well, it was based on this idea that, um, you know, you can pretty much, um, there are many opportunities for, for um, like organic advertising in content. Because my thesis was that in advertising, the most powerful type of advertising is organic advertising. And what organic advertising is, is when, let's say, you're, you're filming, um, I don't know, some random drama or, or whatever, right? And if it fits the character's image to wear an expensive watch, then that could be a very natural advertising for that watch. Mm -hmm. As opposed to like, you know, a very unnatural version of like how a lot of Korean drama these days do it where like, oh, um, like some sad scene and randomly Subway pops in like, oh, you know, as if it's going to console the kid whose mother just died. You know, like right. some advertising is very, it's not, it's not natural, but, but there are good ways of doing it. You know, like where it's like, for example, 
Aston Martin and James Vaughn. Hmm. Right? I mean, I bet after James Vaughn was associated with that Aston Martin sports car brand, I bet it sold a lot more because people yeah. want to be fun, right? So that's what I mean by organic advertising. So I believe that's the most powerful type of advertising. Mm -hmm. The most powerful in terms of being able to convince people to buy the product. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I was thinking that back then, you know, as YouTube and all that was proliferating, you know, people were all just learning how to create content with just a camera phone and shit. There are so many opportunities for this type of scenario to happen where, you know, like right now, let's say, for example, if someone was watching this, right, um, they might very well be like, hey, you know, which brand of headphones is, is uh, Toby wearing, you know? Mm -hmm. And imagine, let's say, right, there's a way that you right now, we're doing this podcast. Somebody saw it, saw that headphone and was wondering, hey, kind of, it looks pretty cool. I want to get one. And then if they buy one, boom, you just got a commission. Hmm. I hope the bows will pay me. Right exactly. <laughs> well, imagine if there was a platform where you upload this content for people to view, right? Mm -hmm. And then people saw that product, bought it, and you get paid for it because mm -hmm. you help sell it. You don't even know it, but you help sell it. So I was trying to build a platform like that. I see. Do, do you think the more like obvious version would be like the influencers nowadays or is it a little different from that? Um, it, 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 okay. So my idea is like utopia. So it's like in the perfect world where one powerful company controls fucking everything owned by me. <laughs> um, that is the world that I just described. Okay. However, in this world we live in, this idea of mine cannot possibly be built by one person or one company. So then it broke up into pieces where individual parts that individuals can handle, they take, they start taking on that role. Mm. So you're right. Influence what, for example, if my platform was succeeded, right? then these people would be on my platform. Exactly. You're right. However, because no such platform ever cr was created, so it, it broke up. It broke up, and now you can put them together. For example, influencers create content to promote products, right? Mm -hmm. But then, even though they're on Instagram, which does not sell products, they get links. They get affiliate links, commission links, Right. They get coupon codes to connect their sale to the company that makes the sale. So this is how they get paid. So you're right. It has basically recreated itself in pieces. And people themselves put it together. Companies mm -hmm. offer discount codes like Toby 20 for 20% off or whatever. And then you advertise it. So let's say Bose gives you that discount code. And then you're on this podcast right now. And in your link, you say, hey, everybody, if you guys actually want to buy this, Use my Toby 20 discount code, buy a Bose headphones, 20% off. And then maybe they'll pay you too for every sale through that Toby. Yeah, discount. yeah, yeah. So it's broken up into pieces, but it exists. Yeah. Wait, so you're trying to like make um, 
when you say make like a platform, was it like an app or website or? It would be an app and a website. Yeah. Uh, imagine, mm -hmm. imagine, right? Imagine. Um, okay. You go to Amazon, right? And so right now, typically you would, let me guess, at least go check out the reviews, correct? If mm -hmm. you want to a product. But imagine, let's say the page, in, on top of reviews, reviews, by the way, is already content trying to promote product. You know, that was intended on my site too. Mm -hmm. Reviews that sell products also get the reviewers paid. Any content that helps sell a product will get the person paid. So um, let's say, imagine, right, you go to Amazon and instead of just reviews, there's a section in the product page. Let's say you're interested in the Bose headphones, right? Yeah. Go to the Bose headphones page, there's a section, videos. And these are all the videos uploaded by everyone who has ever featured Bose in their content. And then your, this video, this podcast might very well just pop up and mm. people could watch it, you know? And then if they watch it, they buy it, you get, the, you get paid too. So it's, it's like, imagine an Amazon combined with a YouTube where you go there, you look at product, but then you also get exposed to new content featuring that product. Hmm. And so the idea is to blend the shopping experience with advertising, with entertainment, so that in an ideal world, right, um, content becomes better because as people learn what sells products better, they mold their content to be better at selling products. And as a result, the content gets better too. So the quality of the advertising, the, the, the content increases over time. Right. So that because only the best one gets paid, right? Mm -hmm. So the idea is that on top of people, just coming to shop, sometimes they might also just come for fun to watch videos. And and then they might end up shopping. Hmm. I see. Because people do go YouTube just for fun, right? Yeah, yeah. Or they go YouTube.com just to see what's up, right? That's the idea, is if we have such good content that is essentially also advertising that people actually want to come and watch them, mm. then they are voluntarily uh, seeking out advertisement all the time, it, you know, in the form of content. But every content is associated with a product. So, you know, in an ideal world, right, they'll come and view the content and then, like, end up buying a few things. Right, right, right. So it'll be a very powerful, robust shopping platform. Yeah, because what you've mentioned kind of is already happening, right? Like I go on YouTube, for example, and I like I've been watching this like uh, YouTube channel, like exercise channel called the Jump Rope Dudes, who who just like does jump roping exercise, and I do it in front of it, and that made me want to buy whatever the jump rope that they're using. And there's actually a link down in the description leading to that web product. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They put it together. Mm. My idea was those guys didn't need to have a link. My idea was I would fucking sell the jump rope myself. 
and they put the video there where you would have watched it, and then you're like, hey, I want those jumping rope. And then right below that, you can just click to buy it at the cart. And then, <laughs> right. They, they would get paid. No, no, no need for separate links, no need to go to a separate website. No, they get paid. They all get paid. And then you buy it, they get paid, and you add the cart right there on the spot. Nice. That was okay okay yeah that that okay now it makes sense why do you think such a website um or i mean i don't know if it exists or not but why do you think that's not very popular it's too ambitious for one company to do and i tried to be that one company to do it <laughs> you gotta admit though that was that had some vision man that was i thought about that 10 years ago yeah so that that's sub that's called sub dog yeah i see and you you actually like launched an app or we launched it, it was just shit mm. i mean look i don't want to this is a podcast so it's you know people can freely hear it i don't want to disparage certain you know um people but yeah i unfortunately trusted the wrong team of people to build my product which came out really crappy mm -hmm. um I see, I see. So it was just like with a bunch of your friends. That's for sure. What's that? I will never go back to India again, that's for sure. Wait, you went to India to make this app? Yeah. Huh. <laughs> what? How, why'd you, is it because it's, it's cheaper there? Or? It was cheaper, yeah. But it, it, if effectively you're paying for like complete shit. <laughs> Wait, so, so your, team, <laughs> your team members... You, you recruited them in India or you had you already I hired, I, I hired a team of five engineers and a project manager in India oh wow and uh, they were just shit hmm. are, so India or there's like so if you have an idea are for uh, the, in India like they offer these services where they just sent you employees that you can hire and then create yeah. a team oh i see i never i didn't know that company. i heard a company right that essentially assigned me a team of five engineers and a project manager and can, i mean and you can't enter like you have to pay you have to obviously pay the service yeah yeah can you choose five guys ah uh, look man i'm i'm gonna try and describe <laughs> how they work in s objective a way as i can right this is from your personal experience so, so you have to understand that these indian software development shops right are sweatshops they are it sweatshops okay so they work these poorly educated engineers underpaid them them they work them they overwork them underpay them and on top of that their primary skill is talking. Mm. Not doing anything, but talking. So anything you talk to them, they will talk you all the way for hours. They will promise you the fucking world. Mm. They never actually deliver because they know that they can get away with it. For example, I was supposed to get five full-time engineers, right? But the weird thing is, my five full-time engineers are also five full-time engineers on other projects. Right, yeah, that's impossible. How many hours in India a day do they, is their day? You know, uh, is, is there one day like eight thousand? Because 
I can't believe that my full-time engineers are also full-time engineers on several other projects. So they have several clones, one person. Yeah, so when I question them on it, they're like, no, yeah, they're full-time on your project. Don't worry, they're full-time on your project. That's all they will say. And what can I do? I can't always fly over to like stare them down and, hey, eight hours a day. You know, like, I can't do that, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is it, is, it, is, it, is it like a popular service that a lot of people use? I think by now, a lot of people have come to realize that the quality of things you get there is really low. I'm going to, okay, like I said, I'm going to be as objective as I can, okay? Mm -hmm. So not only are they unscrupulous, they're not very skilled, but the truth, the truth really is the skilled Indians do not stay in India. I see. Go to US, they have the ability to go US, UK, places they can make real money. So the ones remaining in India are no good. Mm -hmm. So the shit they build is almost often literal digital shit. <laughs> I literally paid all the money, I paid over $100,000 to them. I, I couldn't use it. Well, you paid $100,000? Almost, yeah. Wow. Well, including all expenses in, but actual contract price was somewhere like 60, 70 USD, thousand. Mm -hmm. But yeah. there were other expenses involved and everything, right? Flying here and there. So all in was over 100, like into the project. And they delivered fucking shit. And then you can't, I mean, it's a contract for contract, so you can't do it. You can't do anything about it. Man, look, in software, here's the thing, man. They technically delivered what they said, most of the things they were going to deliver, it's just shit. It just works like shit. It's like, you know, that's their game, right? They they will build to the minimum specifications. So, like, they will promise you that they will build you a fucking Iron Man suit, but they, they'll give you a wheelchair and say, that, that is our Iron Man. <laughs> like, uh, Iron Man suit shaped wheelchair. Yeah, exactly. Like, they will say, well, this technically fits the specification in the contract, right? You want wheels, you know, they'll, they'll that's their game. You know? they, when they sell it to you, they promise you a fucking world. But then when they deliver, they will argue with you all day long about why what they delivered was in fact what we agreed on. And then you're like, hey, come on. Shit, man, come on. And there's, probably, there's just like no end to the conversation, I bet. Yeah, and at some point, like, yeah, I should have pulled out of the project, but I foolishly decided that oh, I'll give them a shot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I will never go back there for, <laughs> for such purposes ever again. Ever. I see. I see. Yeah. I mean, I'll, uh, I'll remember that if I were to start something. Yeah. Uh, just don't trust mm -hmm. them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's based on your personal experience. So, yeah. Can you, um, so, and then after Supka, do, do you, you just, did you sell it or you just kind of, just, you just terminated the project and move on? Because what, see, what happened was that uh, I launched a project uh, with their really, like, shitty software, tried to run it for a little bit, uh, a couple months, and then I tried to apply for a visa to, to stay in the U.S. Mm. <laughs> when I went to the consulate, that interview officer actually went to the website. And she said, you know, your website is really fraudulent. Huh. Yeah. So 
partly based on that actually denying my visa. Wow. Yeah. Was it that bad? It was bad. <laughs> Look, that that really affected my life in many ways that I'm still feeling the repercussions of. Um, well, anyway. I, I didn't know that they would make such kind of very subjective comment and like base people's you know approval visa based on them. Well, I was applying for a business visa. They had to approve me based on their belief that um, giving me this visa would create American jobs. Her, I don't agree with it, but her justification, that officer justification was, look, um, your website looks fraudulent. It's a very new business. There's not much, your, your, your sales is so little. I just cannot justify giving you a visa. Like, it doesn't look like this is a business that will succeed. So I put in all, I meet all the requirements. I put in all the necessary uh, investment, over a hundred thousand, like I said. But, you know, I bet honestly, a big part of it was the impression she got when she went to the website. And it was like, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Well, then, then this, uh, and you're in your early 20s then? This happened when I was 28, yeah. Okay, 28. Oh, 26, 26. Okay, okay. And then, and then the 26-year-old Terrence went on to another project called the P2P. No, so, okay, so I was denied my visa, and like I said, there were a lot of repercussions of that. That helped, had me stuck in Singapore for two years. Mm -hmm. And then I had the itch to go to the West again. And so, um, you know, I looked around. I couldn't go back to the U.S., obviously. So I thought eventually I came to think about Canada. Mm -hmm. And after thinking about how to come here, it seemed like the easiest way was to be uh, as a student again. Yeah, yeah. I applied to U Toronto and uh, UBC. Mm -hmm. So I got in both and ultimately just made a random decision. I couldn't decide. I've never been to Canada, so I have no idea what Toronto and Vancouver was like. So I just made a decision. Vancouver seemed a bit nicer. Weather seemed nicer. Um, I don't know. just felt like if it, it would have suited me a little bit more. Turned out I was right. When I visited Toronto, I didn't really particularly like it there. So turns out, yeah, I chose, I guess I chose uh, the right place to, for myself. Uh, but anyway, so I came here, uh, got my degree in two years, uh, computer science. That's, ma that's uh, master's or bachelor's? Bachelor's. You can get in two years? I didn't know that. So it's a special program for people who already have a degree. Got it. So it's for people that have degrees in like business or whatever um, and decide that you want to switch careers in, into tech. So it's become a very popular program in UBC. It's called the BCS. A lot of people are applying now because everybody knows now tech is going to, it's, you know, hmm. it's a thing. So... Uh, this is a wildly, wildly popular uh, program now. Like, I'm glad because competition I heard now is, like, fierce. When I got in, it was, like, just like that. I applied. I just got in. But I heard now it's, like, very selective, actually. Damn. Uh, you applied in 2016. Right. Yeah. I got in 2014. And then oh, 14. Yeah, yeah. So then, when I graduated, was when I launched P2P. Um. 
P2P, I also think is a pretty clever idea. But you know what, man? With COVID, P2P would not have survived anyway. Well, what was P2P? Is it is it something to do with, uh, with fitness? Yes. So P2P was this. I It's basically... Okay, the concept of it was... Um, if you want to go deep, right? Um, you see, companies like Airbnb and Uber, they they um, they tap on something similar. Okay, so let's first say Airbnb. Okay, Airbnb was a success because they tap into um, a existing but previously uncentralized market. See, there was a spectrum that exists in the hotel industry, okay? Oh, sorry, sorry, not hotel. Uh, accommodation industry. Mm-hmm. Right? It goes from couch surfing to all the way to grand hotels. However, before Airbnb, there was really only hotels and then like the rest was like really messy, right? Because <laughs> surfing in the past was like Craigslist, Kijiji or, or, or couchsurfing.com or whatever. And you hope that, you know, you, you're going to stay with somebody that is not a murderer or whoever you host is not a murderer. Like people do it out of their own goodwill. There's no money, you know, maybe a couple of dollars, whatever, but it's not, it was not a business. There was no one regulating it. Mm-hmm. Right. But there was a whole spectrum. There was a whole spectrum of people that um, that exists, which is what? People with spare rooms. Mm-hmm. But And they could make money off of it. But the problem is they don't want to do the couch surfing thing. It's so like, uh, it's like some fucking homeless looking dude is going to fucking show up at my door and I'm, I have to host it? No, fuck you. Like, get the fuck out. You know, like... <laughs> But this spectrum exists. So many people have so much rooms to spare. Mm-hmm. There's so many spare condos, <laughs> spare rooms, spare living rooms that you can partition out, like what some people do. Yeah. So many opportunities. But the problem is none of these people want to do it because I don't want to fucking risk some random homeless looking person that might do drugs into my place. How do I know they're going to pay me? Mm-hmm. And what happens if they fucking fuck up my place? I, none of there's none of these, right? And then Airbnb popped up and say, "Okay, we'll give you two million dollar insurance, you know, and we'll vet the people that come. You can vet them yourself. You can look at their Facebook, look at their profile, see their reviews. You know, they provided a trusted authority that organized that spectrum, mm-hmm. and that's why suddenly you, it's like green light all over. Like all these spare bedrooms suddenly light up. They're now available for rent." And suddenly, like, your next-door neighbor is now a hotelier creating a brand-new economy because right. they came into this market that already exists but was not organized. Yeah, same with, same with Uber, I guess, right? Exactly. So many people have cars they don't use that much. So many people have daily routes they travel and have spare passenger space. All these are untapped potential that Uber organized. 
So it's based on the same idea. Okay. That came about. In it, it was a grand idea starting from bodybuilding, but it was going to spread into, I was going to spread it into other things. But it was the idea that, for example, let's say I randomly right now, I go to the gym, okay? In the gym, let's say there are 30 people. In these 30 people, it will range in terms of experience. So there's going to be one guy there that's like there for six months, right? There's going to be one guy that's been training for 10 years. And, and here's the thing. Let's say the guy who was training for 10 years and he, he actually knows what he's doing. Like you see, he knows what he's doing. He lives heavy, he lives right, good form, looks good, great physique. You know what he's doing. But he doesn't have a personal trainer certification. Mm -hmm. is, he, is he really not able to give you some tips, help you out a little bit? Let's say he's your friend. Would you hesitate if he said, hey, bro, let, you know, train with me, man. Let's train together. I'll help you out. Would you hesitate? No. Exactly. But then let's say you're strangers. Obviously, you can't just, hey, bro, can you train me? No, right? <laughs> but let's say that he offers his services, you know, as a, not a training, not a trainer, because that requires certification, right? But he can offer his services as a training partner. I see. So you don't obviously, obviously you won't have to pay as much as a personal trainer. You won't be paid as much. But the requirements are a lot lower too. He doesn't have to actually train you. He can train with you, you know, like a, as if like you're paying for it, but it's as if like it's your best buddy at the gym. He yeah. took you up. Hey, Toby, let me show you. You want to train your back? You want to have wings? I'll show you how, man. Like train with me. Let's see how I do it. I'll show you. I'm not your trainer, but this is how I do it. I'll show you how I do it. You can do it that way too. That's a training partner. And you pay a smaller amount, like not a, not the 60 to $100 per hour per session that PTs charge, right? Maybe you pay, I don't know, 15, 20, I don't know, or yeah. less. Or you pay a monthly fee, something like that. You pay less, he he gets paid a little bit for his time, and he, he you know, maybe he might enjoy doing this, right? I, I enjoy doing teaching people how to live right in the gym when they ask. So, hey, nothing wrong if, let's say, I get paid a little bit for it, right? So the idea is this, that there's a lot of people, um, not just bodybuilding, anything, man, like swimming, violin whatever there's a range of is a spectrum of untapped potential because people there are there's I'm, I'm telling you man I, I don't even know this for sure but in my building there's bound to be at least one fucking person that has 20 years piano playing experience that's good enough to teach at least you know maybe kids or something but that person is just like i mean like i don't want to go out and like advertise my services i don't want to you know if only there was like ooh, airbnb uh, airbnb or uber for Piano services. Yeah, then I'll do it totally. Yeah. So the idea is that I wanted to offer a platform for sports and fitness related things where people can tap in and monetize all of these untapped potential. So if you've been playing basketball for 10 years and hey, in your heyday, you actually are quite fucking decent. Man, why not Offer your basketballs, you know, mm -hmm. you can teach some basketball to some high school kids, you know, as a, as a, as a, as a basketball training partner, you know, not, not mm -hmm. a coach, not a whatever, but you play with him. Like he pays for your hourly services, you know, maybe five, 10 bucks, whatever, you know, and then you get paid for that too. And then you can do that with like five kids, play five on five, 
you know, and then you get paid 10 times the amount, but they all pay a small amount, but you teach them, right? You train them, something like that, right? Like, it's like, it's like if Michael Jordan plays with the team, the, the team improves, right? So that's the idea. You, if you have spent years doing something you love, hey, that's experience that you can share and make money on them. So that's what I was trying to build body, with bodybuilding, like, you know, in the gym and eventually, you know, things like swimming, whatever, sports. Right, right. That was the whole concept, yeah. That, that seems like a really good idea, but it just, what, what made it not, not a workout or what made you not pursue? Um, who's looking for partners to, <laughs> to be face-to-face -face with now, like, Yeah, 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 that's true. Yeah, it it kind of fizzled out because I had a team of engineers, um, three people from UBC, was working on it. But after a while, you know, because we weren't making money, they needed obviously income, and they found jobs. They all found good jobs. So eventually, they didn't really want to spend too much time on this anymore. At some point, we agreed to like end the project because it wasn't making money. Um, so I went to look for a job too, and I and ultimately ended up in, as a right. project manager. Got it. So it was like a pretty civil ending to the project. Uh, absolutely, I'm still I'm, I'm still on good terms with all of them. It wasn't ugly at all. Like I see. And then the company you work is um, is like a tech company. It was a legit company. It was a small to medium size. You mm -hmm. know, um, I mean, to be honest, I, I I didn't have a particularly. You know, it was it was it wasn't it was a kind of a boring job. It wasn't bad or anything. It was just it was okay. It paid me well. Um, and the job was, was boring, but it was okay. It was manageable. The work environment was was all right. It was, wasn't the best, but it wasn't terrible. You know, it was very manageable, very tolerable. Um, but ultimately, I found the, the job too boring. And uh, it just coincided with COVID hit, COVID hit. And then their sales just went zeroed out. Mm. So they couldn't afford to keep all their highest paid people. So I, I got laid off. I see. And then... Yeah, now I want to, you know, kind of get to um, your current project, um, which is a Terry Toast. And I, you know, when we talked last week, I put on the website and that um, the coconut custard jam looks fucking delicious. And I remember when I was at UBC, you would invite me to your apartment and you did offer me this coconut custard jam. But I want you to explain what you're selling and what the service is and also how from your previous two projects, it seems like a very tech-based stuff to boom. It's now you sell food product basically and you, you go to people's houses. And so that's a pretty big transition and I guess the category of the project that you're doing. Um, so yeah, can you just explain what the service is and how the Territos all kind of came about? <clears throat> so, <clears throat> So I've always enjoyed Kaya, which is, um, you know, this coconut custard jam that is very popular in Singapore and mm -hmm. Malaysia. Um, and when I left Singapore, it's definitely one of those things I, I really missed. So, you know, time to time, I would go to the Asian supermarkets to buy some imported versions, which are not really that good. So... Um, it, tastes, it tastes different. Oh, yeah, absolutely. All Kayas taste different. Every brand tastes different. Um, so even when I was in the U.S., I thought, you know, it would be so nice if there was a legit Kaya Toast Cafe. 
just like in Singapore, they're in the US. Um, and then uh, it, it never really, like I was mostly interested in tech. So, you know, the, the, the whole idea of starting my own uh, Kayatons Cafe always was just kind of like a side, you know, side thought. But, you know, I always thought, yeah, you know, I'll do tech if I make money someday. Yeah, maybe I'll just for fun open like a little cafe, do, do that, right? So it never became like a main thought for me. Then I came to Canada. I thought the same thing. Like, wow, I really miss Makaya. You know, I wish that I could um, get some some good ones here. And there weren't any. So what happened was when I got laid off this year during COVID, oh, last year, man, um, I started thinking about starting my own business again, right? And you're right. Like my first thought was obviously tech. But I also realized that Honestly, tech is really, really, really difficult to do. You know, it's, I had a few ideas. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I did have a few ideas I wanted to do, but you needed the right team or a lot of money to do it. And I didn't have either. So I got to thinking, okay, fine. Right now, my resources is not sufficient to really do a tech startup. I don't believe at this time I'm able to raise money to do it. So what can I do that I can start small and maybe grow big? So the original idea was, in fact, to start a Kayato's Cafe. Oh, okay. Like actual building cafe. Yeah, uh, a shop, right? Uh, a cafe. Um, but then quickly I realized, I mean, it's covid you know, people are not really going out to cafes. Even if they're opening up now, it's very spaced apart. So, you know, there's not that, they cannot accommodate too many people. And that's for big shops. You know, I wasn't going to do like a huge shop. That was going to be very expensive. I was going to do like a small one first. Right. Which, what, I can have maybe one person sitting there. <laughs> like, <laughs> what? So, obviously, um, the cafe idea was you know, out. But then I started making my kaya and letting my friends try. And people were like, bro, that's amazing. Like people were telling me like, these are like freaking amazing. They pay for it. And at first I was like, ah, whatever, man, you're just being nice. <laughs> but um, people legit actually said, Hey bro, can you prepare a batch for me? I'll pay you for it. And I was like, okay, okay. Uh, all right. So then I started tweaking the recipe until I got to a perfect one and standardized it. That's a secret recipe, huh? Um, I would say, I would say so. Yeah. I mean, look, the truth is the base Kaya recipe isn't difficult, but every house has their own unique way of preparing it. And that results in a unique final product. So every Kaya you taste will be different um, because they have different proportions of ingredients they will have different types of ingredients. For instance, type of egg. Right now in Vancouver, I am the premium kaya. But actually, there is one small competitor. They are selling traditional kaya. They started in COVID too, but way earlier than I did. They are, it started by, in fact, like this very famous chef locally in Vancouver. Huh. But they do 
really what is like basically traditional basic kaya. So they, so, they, they make everything from scratch? No, no, no. I, I make everything from scratch. But what I mean by that is they use very basic traditional ingredients, which is chicken eggs and white sugar and coconut milk. I use premium ingredients like antibiotic free, free range duck eggs, brown sugar, and coconut cream, not milk, cream. Hmm. It's different. Cream is more expensive, cream is richer, lower water content. Uh, it's, it, basically, I use premium ingredients. My product is twice her price. Right. Have you tried their product? I've tried it. I'm not going to disparage my competitor's product. Yeah, 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 yeah. But so far, the reviews have reflected my own. I see. Yeah. People who have tried us both have uh, largely agreed that with my opinion. So, not going to lie, pretty excited that my product beat this famous chef. But in the end, it's not about that because we do kind of different product. I'm, I prepare my product the traditional way, but with premium ingredients that may be a little less traditional. So they just use the cheapest, but but not because it's whatever, it's just because that's really how they used to do it. So so they, they also make it a traditional way too? They do, yeah. I Would you say their way of cooking is more traditional than yours? Arguably, Sure, yeah. Right, right. I mean, it's not a matter of like which one's better or not, but... I agree, yeah. Uh, arguably, I would agree, yeah. They, they are closer to more elements of how traditionally they do it in Singapore than, than mine. I did apply some modern improvements. Yeah. And yours would be, I guess you can call it vegetarian? Um, it has egg in it. Uh, yeah. Well, it's not vegan, but right, um, right. I requested to create a vegan version, which I, I might be working on. Damn. You got, oh, you got requested? Yeah. Like, I got requests for a low sugar version and a, a vegan version because there's a lot of vegans in Vancouver. Right. The vegans are very big here. So um, I've been requested several times that, hey, like, you know, do you have a vegan version? Would you, if you, if you invented the vegan version, would you? Do you think you would be the pioneer of Kaya vegan product? If I succeed in the sense that it becomes like a fucking household product, absolutely, because there's no such thing right now. But small little companies, I'm sure they've created something like that before. I don't want to claim that I invented it, um, but commercially successful, no, there hasn't been one. Mm -hmm. So you create everything from scratch for your product? Nice. And did your mom also cook Kaya or your... Yeah. I've always been in a way like uh, you know I guess good with cooking in a way like I, I guess you know I, I, don't, I never really trained or learned or anything but just I just I guess I have a good taste i guess so generally when i prepare like you know food for my friends 
I don't really have recipes or anything. I just kind of go with whatever I have in the fridge and sometimes, and it just comes out okay. You know, my friends all love my cooking. So I guess I have generally a, a decent sense of like mm-hmm. kitchen skills, I guess. Nice. So I, I know how to cook, you know. And then you, you do everything right now, right? The whole cooking process to delivering process and everything, right? Right now. Yeah, yeah. Okay, right now, basically, like, I will prepare kaya and then I would refrigerate it overnight in the refrigerated storage. in mm-hmm. the. So the purpose is, like, every batch needs to at least rest overnight for QC, quality control. Mm-hmm. So then I will test one jar from that batch the next day. Everything's all good. Then I, I will say, okay, this batch is good for sale. So a lot of my orders are pick up. So they will come to the kitchen and pick up. So you would tell the clients to come to the kitchen at this time? At this, Yeah. Uh, some I ship. Uh-huh. Then I would, you know, basically pack it all in the kitchen and then bring it to Canada Post or I'll call Canada Post to come pick up. Either way. I see. How did you, how'd you make your first sale? Uh, online, like Instagram. That's how people find out about me. Mm-hmm. I give um, samples to a lot of influencers. Really... You know, they all loved it, so it helped sell quite a few jars. I see. Yeah, I would love to try it one day. Um, yeah, but never come here for sure. I'll give you a jar. You, do you do international shipping? <laughs> well, the thing is, it's you see, um, that's one of our problems in the business right now, which is that it's a fresh product, so it uh, cannot be refrigerated. Uh-huh. So that's why right now I'm not really shipping outside of BC. Um, because I cannot really sit in room temperature for too long. Although right now it's winter. So actually, it's it's possible, but it's a risk, and I don't want to take that risk. Hopefully, maybe I'll find some Kaya stuff in Japan too. I'm sure they have it. Or maybe, hopefully, I succeed and I expand to Japan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope it succeeds. Um, I kind of want to ask um, some some of your like personal questions uh, apart from well, it's kind of related to the business. But what what is your um, I guess like the key driving force to become entrepreneur or, or always trying to start this kind of project it's just interest man like i just um have this interest in figuring out like you know creative ways to make money creative ways for businesses to make money like it's i can't explain why it's not just about wanting money it's not just about being rich or trying to be rich, get rich for me, it's, of course, that's, you know, of course, that'd be great, you know, for me to be rich. But um, for me, it's really an interest. Like, I I have this this strange just curiosity and, and interest and enthusiasm for trying to figure out, like, just creative ways to make money, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, like, I see a lot of these tech companies come up with a lot of very interesting ways, how they structure their products and how they sell it. And, you know, it's, it's very interesting to me. So I like in my own brain, just thinking, Oh man, how, how do I cleverly make money this way? You know, mm-hmm. how do I get people to pay me happily smiling? It's like, for example, like, um, like right now, you know, you, you go freaking, buy an app on the app store right a- apple freaking happily just takes a few dollars from that purchase you know from the developer 
30%. And you're, you're not mad at Apple. Like, even if it's expensive, you probably blame the developer. You're like, mm. why did you say it's so expensive? But Apple is quietly just taking 30%. I don't give a fuck. You guys argue about the price, whatever. But I think 30%, I think 30%, I think 30%. Clever, right? You built this platform, you know, that created an entire app industry. And then now they, they're like a, they're like a toll booth. You know, you want to use my bridge. You want to get to the users, pay 30%. <laughs> then and then but they're they're just they're neutral right you pay for it you curse i don't know square enix or whatever for selling final fantasy for so expensive but apple takes 30 percent quietly in the background that's what i mean it's very clever things like that how they set it up how but don't get me wrong they deserve it in a way because they built the entire damn thing but that this is what i mean you know like if for me it's very interesting to figure these things out and try to imagine creating it myself. Mm-hmm. You feel a sense of satisfaction uh, through creativity. And then yeah. w- when you get rewarded by the creativity, that's just... Exactly. Yeah, that's a very good way to put it. Yeah. I see. Okay, well, how can people um, get your product, the Kaya? If you want to just explain yeah, it. Post.com, T-E-R-R-Y-T-O-A-S-T.com. Okay. And, uh, Right now, I'm only selling within Vancouver, well, within BC. But, you know, if you're outside of BC, but still within Canada, there's probably, there might be a way I can figure something out. But, you know, yeah. You got Instagram? Yeah, Terry Toast Official. All right, cool. Well, uh, I'm just going to hit, I'm just going to stop recording for now. Okay. So, yeah. Thanks, dude. Yeah, dude. Thanks for having me. Yeah. <laughs>